Very, very happy to have Abra Honest with us, a friend of HGA for a long time. My brother, Jason, Trevor Nelson, HGA Fundraising. Thanks so much once again, everybody, for coming. We're going to talk about, well, Abra was on our podcast a couple of weeks back and said some really, really interesting things, shared some really, really interesting stuff with us. And that was what, what kind of spurned the idea to have her on the webinar. So we could talk about surveying for your success, how data-driven engagement with your attendees and a myriad of different data points can help you plan and engage with folks for future success. So we're really happy to have Abra on to affectionately get in the weeds with us about this so we can all learn and leave you know, with an understanding, a clear understanding, get all the questions out of the way, whatever you have. If you have any questions, obviously Q&A function at the bottom chat feature. Viewing this as recording, please leave them for us on YouTube. Yeah, and, comments, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. We want to hear them. Yeah, yeah let if us you agree know. if you disagree. We want to see, we want to hear it all. Yeah, absolutely. What it was interesting, Abra, we'll let you take it away and everything. Thanks so well, much. For hold, your hold on just a second. Hold yeah. on just a second. Just for those of you that don't know, because I know that she is kind of a rock star presence in, in the fundraising world, but Correct. for those of you who don't know, Abra is a an extremely successful charity auctioneer. And yep. she does a lot more than just get up there and talk fast. Has she, been for a long time. A lot, she raised yep. a lot of money. She consults with organizations, has done it. She, if you look her up, Aubranis on YouTube, you're going to pull up about a thousand videos where she talks about all the stuff that we try to talk about all the way. She's been doing it for a long time and recently relocated. I will say she came from coast to coast. She went from California being up in the Bay Area all the way now. She's in Florida. So if you need somebody, she is a real rock star. Tremendous tremendous fundraiser and so yeah. we're really glad to have it i'm sorry for for not obviously uh saying those things i thought everyone knew those things about opera. <laughs> that's what i mean she's kind of wrong <laughs> it's kind of like uh well what was interesting though when we were on the podcast and then jason and i talked about it later and then you know uh, courtney from our team reached out to you to come on the webinar you were talking about engaging folks in attendance whether they were in the back of the room the front of the room and what was that was the one thing that was very interesting to me it's like even if they weren't the biggest givers and then folks were in the back of the room or what you wanted to know what their experience was correct me if i'm off uh, if, uh, if i'm not no. correct in that Absolutely. you wanted to know you wanted to know what their experience was not just the folks in the front of the room and the biggest givers and just like how can we make the event next year and you always talk about like i'm hitting that one hundred fifty thousand dollar mark or what have you or i'm hitting the two hundred fifty thousand right. dollar mark but we want to raise 350,000. How do we get over the hump? And you're talking about data-driven surveys and asking the right questions. Cause obviously if, if we're not getting the right answers or the right solutions, we're probably not asking good enough questions, you know? So that's what kind of just inspired the, the, this conversation. So, so thankful that you're here. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, yeah. For everyone who's online listening, whether it's now or in the future, I've been in your shoes. I've been a development director. I sit on a board. I've been on a committee. And so often nonprofits do things the same way they've done them before because that's how we've always done it. Or we talked to our board and our board said it was great. And the truth about nonprofits is we have a limited amount of staff time. We have a limited amount of time available to us in general. And it is easier to talk to the people we already know. It's easier to talk to your board president and pick up the phone and be like, what'd you think of the gala? Or talk to the committee in a quick debrief. But the truth is the people closest to us are not always going to be the most honest, nor are they going to be with us the longest. You know, as a nonprofit professional, we have to work on filling the pipeline of donors. And a lot of our mid to low level donors depends on your type of organization, but usually it's like 
I consider it like $10,000 and below is a low level or a mid-level donor. For you, it could be $1,000 and below. It doesn't really matter. But their opinion matters too. So often we cultivate our events for like the top row, the front row of tables. You know, it's our board president, our chairman, our honoree, and major donor number 492. And we ignore everyone in the back. And I don't believe in doing that. I believe to have a really successful, strong fundraising event, and I've done this with tons of my clients, we have to really pay attention to the room as a whole. So I believe in sending out surveys all the time. And most importantly, after your event, to understand what the people in the room, everyone in the room, thought about your event. I want to know if they donated, if they, and if they did donate, what moved them to donate? I want to know, is this their first donation, their second donation? Is this their second donation this year? Did they already donate to the annual campaign? And I also want to know if you didn't donate, what happened? What mark did we miss? And the last thing I think we should, we should ask people is, you know, why did you decide to come? Did you come because you saw a poster, you were on Eventbrite or because somebody asked you? And I think understanding the nuance other than ticket sales is very important for moving our fundraising event, no matter what it is, from point A over the fundraising hump to get to the reach goal, to get to your like amazing goal where you really, really want to be. Yeah. Love that. Um, you know, Abra, I, I, you said preach, something I thought preach. was really, really good. <laughs> you were talking about, you know, we do, do all this stuff for the front row and 30 years ago, when I started doing my first charity auctions and stuff like that, I would go to a lady that I knew, you know, it was a lot different back then. I would go and I'd say, Hey, where's the money at? And she'd say, well, this table here and this and this and this. And nine times out of 10, nobody in those front tables ever raised their hand because they'd already written their big check and there wasn't anything we were doing in the auction that they really wanted. But it's some guy in the back row who gets invited and we've never heard from, didn't know who he was, and he raises his hands and, and spends ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Why is, why? And we missed that whole opportunity. And I've seen it happen since then a lot, you yeah. know, over the, over all these years. And we missed that opportunity to ask that question, to engage with that person, to get them through the finish line. Because what can ha- what we miss out on, and I think this is where you're going with what happens in these surveys. Funny thing, I'm driving down the road two days ago, talking to somebody on the phone, and somehow on my phone, I FaceTime a guy. I remember you saying this. And I look at this and I go, Aaron? Well, his name's Aaron. He was invited to a tape to a, a, a gala. This has been six, seven, eight years ago. He and his wife didn't know anything about the organization, nothing. But it got to the, you know, they they listened to the mission moment. They gave, they donated, but the organization followed up and engaged with them. Absolutely. in a powerful way. And he, guess what? He said, he goes, yeah, he goes, I think we're supposed to talk. He goes, I'm the chair of the event this year. Right. So all of a sudden he and his wife are chairing the, the thing. Isn't that crazy. So my, I, I think that's where this goes is to who in the world, you know, like you said, you've got a limited amount of time. Absolutely. If you've got a limited amount of time and you're trying to engage and we want to, you know, we, we preach about having a, a, a program of gratuity, you know, right. plan yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to thank people. But then you're going, well, how do I think people, well, who do I do it? But this is a really good way. And the other thing that I thought was real interesting, you kind of taken this whole survey thing to another level yep. because you don't do it after the event. You recommend doing it at the event. 
you I would do it that night, like as people walk out. I mean, you so could just, cool. I mean, the technology exists and why nonprofits are here to do it. I don't know, but you yeah. can literally send somebody a five question, question text. Yeah, text, and there are yeah. Just come in a text. Or it can already be pre, it can already pre-done. It can already be pre-loaded the whole nine. It should be pre-done and pre-loaded. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add one more data point that you should be collecting that is not technically a survey. My yeah. favorite thing to tell people who are having a live auction is you should have somebody in the front of the room, volunteer. It's an easy job. They should be writing down the bid numbers of your second, third, and fourth place bidder. Because if that person is willing to raise their hand for five grand, you should be probably having a conversation with them. They didn't didn't win the trip, but they should be on your radar. And sometimes those people fly underneath our radar. But by the way, Mm -hmm. you can sell them a second trip, a third trip. You could engage with them, ask them out to lunch. Like there are so many little pieces of data that we need to be collecting at our event to make sure that we know how to improve ourselves for next year. Because the number one thing that people come to me with is fundraising numbers that go down, they go up, they go down, they go up. And I like to see people on like a steady upward trajectory. How like heart-wrenching, how nerve-wracking must it be to be like, are we going to have an up year or a down year? I don't know. What's going to happen? Right. You right. should know. Oh, you it's know. a heart, but whenever they sit there and you look over and they go, I really hope we do good this year. And they got their fingers crossed. And I'm like, yeah. well, this isn't the time to be thinking about that. Totally. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, Abra, I, I have a, a just I would like, do you have maybe one that comes to mind or an example where somebody used this strategy, did a survey, reacted to what, you know, they, they what the information that they got from the survey, implemented a strategy around it and saw success after? Absolutely. So I work a lot with private schools, probably because I'm a mom and my kids go to, well, one of my kids goes to private school. So I understand the dynamic and the relationship. So private schools have a unique fundraising hurdle already, which is their donors eventually leave. They Mm -hmm. age out, right? Like they, their kid graduates eighth grade and the the donor magically disappears. So I um, had a client come to me. It's a private school in Wisconsin. And very similar. Also in California, they had a very similar situation and they had a, an event that was very low energy and they couldn't get the mission of their organization across. For some reason, their parents were coming back to them and saying, I don't understand what you need X, Y, Z for. I don't understand what you need. And I, I don't even understand why you're asking me for more money because schools typically have an annual campaign in the fall and a fundraiser in the spring. That's typically how it's done. So we looked at their data and we combed through mountains of data. I like to look at how many people came, how many people donated, how many people did not donate, how many people are in your top 10%, how many people are in your bottom 20%. And the truth is, in my opinion, although I think it's universally, universally true that if you have $1,000 to donate, you probably have $2,000 to donate. And if you have 5,000, you probably have like 8,000. So we looked through all this data and we saw a couple things come to the forefront. Number one, the auction items that they really sold well had to do with teachers at their school. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not specific to schools, but I think it ties back to the bigger idea of The auction items that sell well for me historically are really unique 
items that you can't get anywhere else. Sometimes that's a trip. Sometimes that's a sleepover with the principal. It really depends. Sometimes we pair a trip to Mexico or Hawaii with the favorite teacher babysitting for a week, right? Like there's different ways to tie those things together. And so what we did is we took all the extra nonsense out of their life and we filled it with things that people actually wanted and that were tied back to the school, which bumped up their live numbers hugely. And the other thing that came out in the data was that all these people who did not donate really wanted to understand exactly where their money was going to go. Now, I'm not a huge fan of project-based funded needs, but I do them occasionally when the time is right. And when I mean project-based, I mean like new playground or new iPad. Elevator for the school or whatever. Exactly. And so we planned it out. So this school wanted, I forget what it's called. It's like modular furniture that you could move around so they could like take their desks and go to the corner for quiet time and bring them together for group time. And this is a really hard concept to sell. But the idea was that parents weren't going to be able to understand it in five minutes on the stage. So we had it in cocktail hour and it was right near the bar and you got to sit in it, touch in it, touch it, excuse me. And and we were there explaining to you why this was better. And so we used that data point, which was, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand why you need that money. And we translated that into a very real world hands-on experience. And their fund and need grossed over $150,000 by that one change. It went up double. And it's basically the same people in the room. But changing that one data point, I also have a school that asked for more ways to spend money in the silent auction. Okay, so we gave them more ways to spend money in the silent auction. Not only were there more, we did, we added in buy-in parties, we added in games, we added in raffles. So there are people who want to spend their money in different ways. I think the, the thing that keep, what I hear most of all in all the surveys is people want to feel appreciated. Number one, the number one reason people don't come back is they didn't feel appreciated for their gift or no one talked to them, which is no kind one of thank them. There was no gratitude. Right. And and yeah. I think that sending a survey is a great first step, but using that as a entry point to have a conversation, yeah. ask these deeper questions yeah. with your donors is so important. Silly, silly question. I think all all lovely points. So good. Do you think sometimes there's trepidation? Like, oh, I don't. Do you think that because I'm going to go ahead. I'm an optimist, glass half full, all the above. Most folks are good natured in my viewpoint, and especially when they're, you know, at the organizational level and whatnot. And they're, you know, we were talking about before we came on, they're overworked appreciated themselves and this and that. Do you think there's this trepidation like, I don't want to be, oh, I don't want to bug them or, oh, gee. And they're not thinking that their opinion doesn't matter, but they don't realize that it's the opposite that's true, actually, because what you're talking about, your recipe here with the surveys and being data-driven and engagement as a whole and gratitude, you're basically talking about being high touch, And I think a lot of people don't really realize that that's the way to go about it. And then Jason and I always talk about apologies for being long winded. We talk about this all the time. Hey, you're running a nonprofit or you're running a school or you're a 501c3. Jason always says it's like that's a tax designation. You're still running a business. They're your donors. They're your supporters. You don't have to call them customers. You don't have to give them that moniker. But 
you need to treat it like a business. And these are the people that are giving you the, the, the resources that you need to stay in business. So why wouldn't you be high touch, especially nowadays, right? I mean, with the fact that everything's so high touch, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And I yeah. also think that there is a high touch does not mean you have to ask for something every oh, single we're time. Saying, yeah, we're, we're actually saying don't do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you. But a lot of we're people- We're asking for info, that, for feedback. Yeah. Yeah. The, people want to give you their opinion. Yes. Most people want to help. Yes. But I will add a big caveat, but one of the biggest problems I see that my clients come to me for, and people typically come to me when they are stuck at like 150, 200, 250, and they are trying to get to 350, 400, $500,000. Like that is my sweet spot. That's my client. I have bigger ones. I have smaller ones. Sure. But sure. that's my sweet spot. Yep. Yep. And a lot of people think, I don't know how to say this. I'm, I have like a lot of out there opinions, as you know. No, we a like that though. People, yeah, yeah, we like that. A lot of people <laughs> believe that the more people you have in the room, like the better the event is. And I don't always believe that that is true. Yeah. Sometimes I believe you have to have a smaller event, a more focused event. And that's yeah. why data is important. How many yeah. people are in the room just sitting there drinking? And, and by the way, you're not profit. Those people, their butts in the seat. That is an invitation you sent out. That's yep. your staff time. That yep. is a meal. That is There's service. Fixed cost that, there. There's fixed costs there. Yeah. Fixed costs. Yep. And so if we're not turning these people into donors, maybe they shouldn't be there. And maybe we need like a party that is just a party. And maybe we need a smaller, more exclusive fundraising event. Yep. And the purpose of looking into this data is to make sure that you are using your resources wisely. The number one thing that I tell people is I want to know if you are, if your auctioneer or whoever's helping you fundraise can't tell you that you're going to be successful, you have to figure it out for yourself. I don't want you to spend money on me unless I know I can help you. Otherwise, what am I like guessing? We're just going to guess together. What is that? Like I have to, you have to come to me and I can say, yes, there's money in the room. These are the three things I think we can fix that'll make a big difference. And we have to commit to, if you've never sent out a survey, you have to commit to that because otherwise we're just kind of like doing the same thing over and over and just hoping it gets better. I, I have a quick question. Jay, are you, do you have a question you've been waiting on? I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, I want to, I want to ask you because- Go ahead. And we're going to send out, um, we're not putting it up here today because it just, it would, we want to just really engage with uh, Aubrey, but she's got a slide deck that we're going to share with everybody. Yep. It's going to go out with the recording. And some and, additional um, fund and need. There was something that, that you said, you know, yeah. use what you have to plan for success. And I really like, you know, you said, you know, the top 10% of guests, in other words, your top 10% of givers, but you also said the bottom 20%. Focus on that for me, why you think that's so important and why you think that's a missed opportunity for nonprofits. Mm. I mean, we've been kind of talking about it around it, but let's really, I'd like to really drill into that. Okay. First of all, thank you for picking up on that. This is one of my favorite things to talk about because in the nonprofit world, we're trained to just focus on the low hanging fruit, the big donors. Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of training our donors to be philanthropic, but to mm -hmm. me, philanthropy does not equal big dollars. It just means making a meaningful gift. So that whether that's 20 bucks or $50, that's okay. Sometimes the monthly donors, the smaller donations that are sustained are, are the most important donors that we have. They are the lifeblood of our organization. Those donations come in every single They're month. Consistent. Or single year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. 
are passionate about you with the resources they have. Focusing on them, I think, sends a very interesting message. So I always think about how do we make everyone in the room feel special? How do we make people feel that this idea of philanthropy is attainable? So one of my favorite ways to do that is change up your honoree. Everyone honors the richest dude in the county, the richest dude in the classroom. I'm so sick of this. I'm like so <laughs> bored of the richest dude in the county. They've probably been honored before, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure their shelves are filled with acrylic garbage. Yeah, yeah. But I would rather have you honor somebody who's been donating continuously for 25 years. I, I don't care that. how much. But show people that you appreciate everyone in the community mm-hmm. for what they have to donate. Because that's... That what a nonprofit organization is supposed to do. We're supposed to be like equal opportunity. And so often it doesn't feel like that. It feels like this very lopsided table. Like it's always like in San Francisco. I was part of this organization for years. They had this very, 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 very one, 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 one percent lady who is loaded. And she was on stage and she was the co-host of everything. And eventually a few of us were like, we're never going to get a turn. Like some of us are waiting our turn patiently. It's never going to come. So we took our skills to another organization. And I think that we have to spread this message of we care about you for more than just the dollar amount. And Mm. you could honor people for their time, for their commitment, for how they participate, for how much they comment on social media, how much they show up for you. Mm -hmm. But the bottom 20% oftentimes surprises you. There are lots of documented research cases or I don't know, cases. Yeah, studies. Yeah, yeah. Studies where low-level donors, very low-level donors consistently have left huge sums of money in their estates to nonprofits. And if we fail to cultivate, yeah, yeah, if we fail to cultivate these donors, if we never let them sit up front, they're always a table 45 in the back. Like it's not, it's not, it's just not fair. And I think that shifting things up freshens things up and it gives people a new perspective. Try putting your big donors in the back, putting your you're not so big donors up front, seeing what that does to the room, put your status. I like to put like a pop-up stage in the middle so I can do it in the yeah. round. Yeah. That's I've noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone has to start from somewhere and you never know when someone's going to have a big windfall or leave you a huge gift or who they know or what connections they have. So I think ignoring the bottom 20% is mm. a huge loss. However, I would get rid of at your event, people who donate zero. I think people who show up, drink, eat, party, and distract from your purpose, you can cut them free from your event, not from your database, but I wouldn't invite them back. So I that's not the bottom 20% of donors. That's just like the consumers. Yeah, they're just the eaters give. and drinkers, not the, yeah. not the yeah. givers. You know, yeah. I, I think there's one thing about God, within that's good. that, that's good, something Abra. that you're talking really about, Abra, in that bottom 20% too. Like when, when we work with somebody and do a people exercise, the three questions are, can they write a check for $10,000 and not miss it? So that just means that they have capacity to give. And we're, we're just saying, who do we know? Who do we know? Okay. But the same thing is, can they fill a table with people that could come and make a meaningful donation? Are they connected? Do they have a Rolodex? You know, that kind of thing. Do they have special access? There's a lot of people in that bottom 20% that have been given a hundred dollars a month for the last five years, but they have access to something, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, niece is an astronaut. I, I don't know. It's just, there's some, exactly. be some kind of access that you don't have that you're missing out on this awesome opportunity by not asking, you never had a conversation with them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they don't think they don't know that they have it either. They they're it's not like they're sitting back there going, Well, they're not gonna ask me because I, I I would let them know that my name is table forty five. You know, but, right. but that's not they're not even thinking because they don't think that it's needed, number one. Yeah. Well, they don't need a little person like me. I couldn't do anything. Uh, yeah. You know, it's we miss out on that. And you've made this exa- this uh one of our uh clients, met a lady for Jan, right? It was Jan, wasn't it? Yeah. For yeah. 25 years, this lady gave like a hundred dollars a year to some, some, you know, it was less than a thousand dollars a year. But when she passed, she left, it was like a $5 million estate and it all went to the organization. That's not the only time that story's ever been told. That's because yeah. And it happens all the time because they, they consciously, she knew what they were doing. She knew the mission. She understood it. And at the end of her time, that's what she wanted to. Can I, can I interject and ask a question? I want to, I'm going to share an experience, but I also want to ask a question, Abra. You know, we've built the business kind of in the same, our company in the same vein, like what we, we tell our entire staff and and what have you over and over and over again, you never know who you're talking to. So you just treat everyone, you treat everyone the same with dignity, with respect, by helping first, talking second, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's hard for me sometimes. But not the help part, but the talking part. But you never know who you're talking to, right? And and you never know if that one person runs an event, but then they know someone that has 500 events. So, okay, here we go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that has happened to us so many times. And I used to just think it was like, oh, that was the universe working in our favor. And what I believe in now is if you give all that time and engagement and attention it's just, it's, it's reciprocity, not with expectation, but that's just how the world works. It works in that cyclical function. And it's been proven to me time and time again, what I'm, what I'm asking, what the question I want to get to though, is you you don't treat the bottom 20% of donors differently than the top. Correct. That's what we're saying. Correct. I mean, I know some people require a little more attention or is that what you're saying and why? Okay. So I went a little this, wide lens there like, on you, but you get my point. This yeah. goes back to like fundraising. I don't know what you call it, like theory or 101. Yeah, exactly. Typically, typically, the more you give, the more time you get, because okay. that's what we assume you need yeah. to continue yeah. giving at that specific level. There is no way on earth that you could communicate with every single donor in your database individually one-on-one. Correct. But. What you could do is use your database to pull some data on who's been giving the longest. And you could take six people out to coffee or invite 10 people for a brief with your CEO. There are different ways to engage. You could also send out, I'm a big fan of ChatGPT, like you could write one letter, have it specified and print it out and send it just to them. Right. You could you could send them a voice memo. Voice memo is my favorite way to communicate because it's like a little more personal than we like video, too. We like little videos you could take just thanking folks, too. That's fun. Same vein. That's because you're a man when you're a woman and you want to make a video. It's like a whole 30 minute process to get ready. (laughs) I like there's no filter on FaceTime. I like the uh, I like the voice memo, but just taking 10 minutes of your day, picking four lower level donors and. You don't even have to pick up the phone. Send them a voice memo. Send them like a heartfelt handwritten note. It goes so far. The the truth is about events, which is what I specialize in. The I believe 
no, again, my weird ideas. I believe that you cannot have a successful event unless everyone in the room is invested. And I don't care how much they're invested, but they have to be invested. Just like Jason said, they have to have the capacity to give, maybe not at $10,000, but they have to be able to give. They have to have some kind of income they're willing to donate. And they have to have the capacity to care. Because what those people are, the bottom 20% or lower level donors, those are what I call the like water cooler, I don't know, banner raisers. Those are the people who tell the story for you. They are the people who say, guess where I was this weekend? It was this amazing gala. I had so much fun. This little girl got up on the stage and she made me cry, whatever it might be. And, And so those people are very important to your mission. You just have to make them feel important. Obviously, you cannot give them the same attention, but you can give them a different type of attention. And I would encourage you to stop having the richest guy in the county be your honorary. Yeah. They care nothing about you. Literally. They don't care. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) I think it's awesome. And if you have any comments, questions, agree, disagree, we'd love that feedback. Abra, Anis, thank thank you so much. So good. So I really, is it Anis or Anis? I keep, we, Trevor and I fight, fight about it all the time. Uh, it's Anis. Anis, okay. I, right. I, I, so, okay, Trevor wins. Trevor wins. Thanks That's okay. Hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, do us a favor. Uh, let us know what kind of notes you're taking. Hit the subscribe button. It'd really do us a, a huge favor. Uh, and we'll make a good point. We'll make a point and, and an effort to have you back on again, Abra. That was Absolutely. so yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. See everybody. Thanks right. again, Abra. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you love our podcast, click the download button, rate us, and follow us on social media at HGA Fundraising. Get out there, start fundraising, and raise more money. See you next time.